Have you ever had that feeling when you leave the doctor's office and think, what did they just say? Or have any burning questions you didn't have time to ask? Or I don't remember anything that just happened in that appointment. Or even, were they speaking my language? Yeah, us too. That's where we come in. We're the podcast dedicated to helping you understand what your doctor said about that thing you saw your doctor for in the first place. We understand it can be an information overload. We're here to help. I'm Dr. Josh Fletcher, a family medicine resident at Northrop General Hospital in Toronto. And I'm Jake Bloom, the person who doesn't know what's happening at the doctor's office. Welcome to Dr. Dictionary. I just want to make a quick disclaimer that this podcast isn't meant to be a replacement for a traditional doctor's appointment, nor is it meant to be providing medical advice. Rather, it's meant to be a supplement to your doctor's visit and explain why your doctor asked what they asked and help you explain the diagnosis and common treatment plans. Lastly, doctors often have very different styles and approaches to a patient and their diagnosis. If we discuss a question or treatment plan that your doctor didn't mention, that doesn't mean that they were wrong. This could represent a different in practice style or simply the fact that your doctor knows you better than we do and has created a treatment plan that better fits your lifestyle. Welcome back to another edition of Dr. Dictionary, the podcast explainer for all of your questions before, during, or after your visit to the doctor. Josh, today we'll be talking all about PCOS. And let's just start with the basics. What is polycystic ovarian syndrome? So polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS, is a common health condition affecting young women and is actually the most common endocrine or hormone-related disorder in women of childbearing age. Now, it's a condition associated with three main features. Irregular periods. We also see signs of an excess of a specific type of hormone called androgens. And the most common one you've probably heard of before is testosterone. And this is classically the male hormone. And it leads to distinct changes in the body, like male pattern hair growth, acne, or hair loss. So we diagnose high levels of androgens either by having those symptoms or by doing specific blood tests. The last thing we see is polycystic ovaries, which are enlarged or multiple fluid-filled sacs, also known as cysts, which we see on the ovaries when doing an ultrasound or other sort of imaging study. To be diagnosed with PCOS, you need to have two of these symptoms above. So to repeat, it's the irregular periods, the excess androgens like testosterone, and the polycystic ovaries. So what's actually going on to cause PCOS? So we don't know exactly what the cause of PCOS is. It's thought to be an interplay between genetics, the environment, and factors from when you were a fetus in your mother's stomach. Now, the thoughts of what's going wrong in the body involves hormones acting out of whack. We end up with something called insulin resistance. So insulin is a hormone that controls the amount of sugars we have in our blood. And you may have heard of this hormone with the context of diabetes. The role of insulin is to allow your cells to take the sugar from your body, from the blood, and to take it inside the cell, allowing it to be used by the cell to function. With PCOS, your cells are thought to be more resistant to insulin, meaning they do not respond to the insulin as well as somebody who isn't resistant is and aren't able to take the sugars in as well as these other people. Now, what does that cause? It causes more sugars in the blood 
and therefore the body needs to make more insulin to fix this problem. Right. When we have high levels of insulin, it acts together or synergistically with some other hormones in the body that normally control pregnancy in the periods. We end up with more testosterone and more other hormones like this called androgens, which affect our cycle. In general, insulin resistance is bad. It has some skin findings we can see, which we'll talk about later, and is associated with many other conditions like obesity, diabetes, and fatty liver. Now, the other thing we also see is an abnormal production of hormones in the brain and in the ovaries. And again, this leads to an increased amount of testosterone and hormones like that. So we don't know what's going on to cause PCOS. Do you know what actually causes the cysts on the ovaries? Now, if you haven't already, I encourage you to go back and listen to the first episode of our birth control series, where we dive more into the hormones involved, the actual anatomical body parts, so the uterus, the fallopian tubes, the ovaries, etc., and how a period actually works. In terms of PCOS, with increased androgens like testosterone in the body and with the insulin resistance, we get hormone changes in the brain as well. And as a result, the ovaries are not able to release eggs as well as they used to be able to. Those eggs actually get stuck. And when this happens, instead of going into the fallopian tubes, we see that they get stuck in the ovaries. And this is what gives the appearance an ultrasound of multiple cysts or fluid-filled sacs. What else can happen to the body because of these high levels of androgens or those hormones like testosterone? So these hormones are responsible for many of the physical changes we see with PCOS. We see male pattern hair growth, that's on the chin, on the lower face, on the sideburns, other parts of the body like the lower back, the chest, the abdomen, the shoulders, the inner thighs. It can also lead to some increasing acne or worsening of already existing acne. And it can also cause female pattern hair loss on the head. Now, that's less common in the acne in the facial and body hair, but it can occur as well. You spoke earlier about insulin resistance and diabetes. What else is associated with PCOS? So in PCOS, because of this insulin resistance and other changes that we see, disorders of your metabolism are much more common, and we call this metabolic syndrome. For example, obesity rates are much higher in women who have PCOS, and this in of itself can lead to increased androgen levels. We can see high cholesterol, high blood pressure, sleep apnea, fatty liver, all of these are more common. And there's a risk for developing diabetes and heart disease in the future. Now, this may be why your doctor asks about all these conditions or may have looked for some of these things when examining you because they often go hand in hand with PCOS. Now, also with that insulin resistance, like I mentioned earlier, you can see some skin changes. And one common change we see is a darkening of the skin on the neck, on the armpits, and in the groin area, or even under the breast. Now, the skin often looks more velvety in nature, can look dirty, and it's caused by insulin resistance. And the medical term for this is acanthosis nigricans. The other thing you might see in your skin is more skin tags, and this can happen from insulin resistance as well. Let's go through a couple questions that you may get when you're uh, dealing with patients for uh, PCOS. So if all you need is two of those irregular periods, high androgen levels, or polycystic ovaries, why did my doctor do blood work? So we often do blood work to rule out other causes that can cause irregular periods, or this male pattern hair growth and acne. Now while PCOS is the most common, we still want to make sure nothing else is going on. 
Your doctor may also want to make sure you don't have any other conditions we just talked about, like high cholesterol, diabetes, fatty liver, etc. So what's the problem with having irregular periods? Why should I care? Well, the first question is whether you want to get pregnant or not. So if you're interested in fertility, we should get this under control first to best maximize your chances. Now, also the lining of the uterus, which is formed by estrogen and progesterone, like we talked about in the first episode on contraception, is never shed each month if you're not having your periods because you're not having any bleeding. When this happens, this lining can get too thick and it can be a risk factor for a specific type of cancer. In terms of treatment, my doctor spoke about these so-called lifestyle changes like losing weight and eating healthier. Can this actually help for this condition or is that just good in general to do? So the first thing and best thing you can do for PCOS and for your overall health is live a healthier lifestyle and specifically lose weight. This will help get your hormones more in check and reduce the risk of some of the other conditions we spoke about earlier. This leads to increased pregnancy rates, better blood sugars, and decreased male pattern hair growth. It also reduces your chance for the kind of cancer I just spoke about as well. Now, physical activity and diet are the best things you can do. But as you know, this is much easier said than done. It's important to set SMART goals. Now, that stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. So having that specific goal, you can actually measure the outcome. It's done in a realistic amount of time, and it's very specific to you. We know it's not realistic for most people to lose 50 pounds, for example. But losing 5 to 10% of your body weight in a six-month period is much more attainable and will have a huge impact on your PCOS and your overall health. Now, if this isn't working for you, your doctor can discuss potentially further options to help with weight loss if it applies to you, like medications or even surgery. And in terms of exercise, what should my goals be? So honestly, anything more than you're doing right now will make a huge difference. For example, taking the stairs at work rather than the elevator every day can add up very quickly. However, if we actually look at the Canadian guidelines, we want 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity each week in bouts of 10 minutes or more. Now, what does that mean? So imagine like you're working out, you're walking, you're exercising. Moderate activity would be able to talk with somebody but not sing, for example. Whereas vigorous, you even have a hard time talking because you're trying to catch your breath. But like I said, anything more than you're doing now will help with your symptoms. My doctor spoke about starting the birth control pill for my PCOS. I don't understand. How does the pill used for contraception help treat my PCOS? So hormonal birth control, they're actually the mainstay of long-term treatment for women who are not immediately trying to get pregnant. It helps improve the physical findings of high androgens like hair growth and acne. And it actually helps correct your cycle and regulate it. They work by giving you a specific amount of estrogen and progesterone to regulate the cycle. They suppress some of the hormones that are out of whack with PCOS. They help reduce that risk of cancer we spoke about earlier as well. We've dedicated an entire episode to these pills and other options for hormonal contraception. And I encourage you to go listen to this episode if you haven't already, if this is what your doctor recommended for you. And what if I can't uh, tolerate or don't want those hormone medications? Are there other drugs we can use for PCOS? Yes, so there are. And first of all, before we even think of drugs like we talked about earlier, first 
line treatment is lifestyle changes, that physical exercise and diet. Now, if you remember what I said earlier, a big part of PCOS is insulin resistance. And one drug that can make your cells more sensitive to insulin or decrease that resistance is called metformin. Now, this is actually a drug that's commonly used in diabetes. And when we help decrease that insulin resistance, we can actually increase or regulate your periods, decrease androgen levels, and improve pregnancy rates as well. Now, the main side effect of this medication is stomach upset. And again, like I said, you commonly see it used in diabetes, but it can be quite effective in PCOS as well. A couple more questions you may come across at the doctor's office. What if I'm interested in having kids one day? Will PCOS affect this ability? So it can affect your ability to be fertile, but by making these lifestyle changes and by trying different treatments, you can maximize your chances of getting pregnant. So what can I do to increase my chance of having kids if I'm interested in that right now? So like we talked about first, the most important factor is weight loss and exercise, period. That is the best thing you can do. This will have the biggest effect on your fertility and the success and outcomes of your pregnancy as well. It is best to get your lifestyle and weight in check first before conceiving anyway to help have a healthier pregnancy. Now, there are different medications we can treat PCOS with if infertility is an issue for you right now. These will try to help you conceive and improve pregnancy and ovulation rates, or the rate at which your egg is released. Your doctor can help you find the medications that's right for you, but some of them they may have spoken about are letrozole, clomiphene, or even surgical techniques like drilling. Now, this is best left up to your doctor or even a fertility specialist if they believe you need the extra help. And finally, what are some resources you'd recommend? So youngwomenshealth.org and the ACOG.org, or the American College of Gynecologists, has a website on PCOS as well. And we'll link both of these resources in the description below. Fantastic. I think that just about wraps up our podcast on PCOS. Josh, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing all this information with our listeners. Thanks, Jake. And as always, if you guys have any other questions, feel free to book another appointment with your doctor. You can email us at thedrdictionary@gmail.com or tweet us at the Dr. Dictionary. I'd like to thank Dr. Knifford, a family doctor at Discovery Family Health Center, for peer reviewing this episode. I'd also like to thank Nick and John Bragagnolo for recording the original music. All right, thank you so much for listening.